podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's old school. It's Paul John Dykes and Kevin Graham on a Celtic State of Mind. How are you doing, mate? I'm not too bad, not too bad. I was just saying to you there, my old microphone, one of the microphones that we first bought when they first started this operation, has now decided to pack up on me. Kev, can you remember? It's now retired. It's retired. Keep a hold of it just for nostalgia. Can you remember the time we blagged our way into a big tournament and you and I are bouncing about with mobile phones and everybody else had like cameras and tripods and cameramen and all that kind of stuff? You remember that? That that was the soccer sixes at the Hydro, eh? (laughs) Aye, everybody else had camera crews and we've got an iPhone and uh, we Zoom H1s and stuff like that trying to trying to interview guys. I'm still disappointed that day I never got to interview Victor Bayer. You refused, um, you refused to interview him? No, I didn't. Eh? I wanted ah. to interview him. You refused to let me interview him because <laughs> my question was going to be how did he survive that shooting in Seville? That's not how I remember it, mate. I remember saying <laughs> to you, do you want to interview him? And you said, don't let him come anywhere near me. No, I had the question all set up. I just wanted to see if he was all right after he was shot in Seville in the last five minutes of extra time. I had to hold you back. Um, but yes, that H1 or whatever you call that device is now packed in. That's what it's happens. It's now gone. It's now gone. We move on. We move on. There's going to be a wee bit of chat today about uh, Champions League. We're going to talk about uh, people like uh, Chris Julien leaving the building. There's loads more to talk about. Loads of important things to talk about as well that um, I really want to raise in relation to um, the Green Brigade banners at the weekend. I thought were absolutely off the scale. Phenomenal. Really, really important message. Want to touch on that. But let's talk... First of all, about Champions League. That's where Celtics uh, fans' heads are going to be at this afternoon, Kevin Graham. And we'll run through the pots. I'll ask you what you think, um, you know, what you want to happen. But before I do that, I'm going to ask you, how do you select the teams you want to face? Do you do it because there are certain destinations you want to visit as a Celtic fan on an away day? Do you do it 
because you think that some of the teams we can overcome or do you do it because you want the prestigious big team draws you want the big names under the lights how do you select the teams or is it a combination of the three I think it's a combination of the three. I usually just, my Champions League go-to has have a look at the pot three team eh, because the bare minimum that I do want is to finish third in the group. Now, I think that's, bare minimum is try to finish third in the group. So I always have a look at the pot three team and go, who in that pot can we take four points off of? Like, mm. who can we beat at home and get a draw away from home? You, you, I don't know and, they're and, not in there, but you're talking about the Ferenc Varos scenario last season. Yes, I know it's a aye, different aye, tournament. That aye. type of team. Yes, that, that's what I look at. And unfortunately, when you look at the pot three sides, there's maybe no money them like that. Um, I want a bit of glamour. I do want a bit of glamour for the support. Uh, I think Ange Postacoglu deserves a bit of glamour for the support. And I think we need to actually come into this tournament no being scared of anybody. I'm fed up, Paul. You can, you can my views about Europe. They've been like this for about five years. I'm fed up us looking in Europe like we've won a competition to be there, that we've saved up vouchers on a cornflakes packet and we've just got there by luck. I just I want to just go there and compete. And I want and I want to play I want to play a big side, but also just want to compete and have foot as a as like as I said yesterday, I didn't want folk to come and enjoy themselves at Celtic Park. Kevin Graham, you were just saying you don't want to be the winner of a Kellogg's Cornflakes competition and look as though you're just there to make up the numbers. Basically, that's what you're saying. Aye, basically, aye. That, that's that's what I'm saying. That's what we need to do. And I sometimes think that was the board's attitude. I'd just be thankful we're lucky that we're getting there and we're getting £30 million pound. And it that's it. And, and, and that's what Bankier came out and says at the at the AGM, eh? So, no, I didn't want to be lucky to get there. We've earned the right to be there and we've got to earn the right to, like, we've got to earn the right to, like, compete against these teams. Let, let, let's find our level. Let's find... Because right. the, the, the big thing when you make it into the Champions League group is it's always uh, followed by the amount of money you make. It's the £40 million bounty, it's the £35 million bounty. And yeah, that is massive to a club like Celtic, it's massive to any club in Scottish football, Kevin, but let's focus on what we can actually do in the tournament. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm completely with you on that. I'm going to give you what I think would be a, a good draw for Celtic. But I look at the teams thinking, who can we compete against? Who could we maybe upset? I don't think about glamorous games under the lights because that will come at a later stage if you do well in the group stages if you know what I mean so mm-hmm. people will be watching this thinking that your heads are in the clouds if you think you can compete uh, or progress in the Champions League Kev but what's the point if you don't if you don't compete what's the point now this is for me the first opportunity for Ange Postecoglou to uh, pit his wits against what I think he believes is his level as a, as a coach. He wants to be uh, competing against this kind of level of coach, this kind of level of team. But I've said before, and, I, and I'll reiterate it, I don't think the progress under Ange will happen this season because I think we've seen enough last year that he's a quick learner. I always use the two by Leverkusen games as a kind of barometer. You look at the performance of the second game compared to the first um, and the result, of course, as well. And you think to yourself that whatever mistakes we make this season, he'll put them right. So I'm not thinking that we're going to get into uh, the latter stages of the tournament at this stage. But I think that it's all about learning for Ange this time round. But in saying that, 
I would be looking for teams that hopefully, particularly in the pot three um, group, that we can actually you know compete against. Kev, you don't you don't want a five or a seven nothing hammering. You just don't want that. Um, when we come up against any of these sides, how do you think it's going to be approached? Is there going to be more of a pragmatic approach? Um, or do you think we continue with that mantra of playing our own game, playing our way? We are going to continue with the mantra of playing our own game. Eh? Poster Colgo's already been quite open about that. He says, why would I change my tactics if that was going to get a result? I would do that. I would do that every week. He's, he's been quite open when he says that. What I think we have actually seen about Poster Coglu and, and what he's done so far in Europe and in certain other games, there is a bit of game management comes in. Whether it's a time waste, and you have, you have seen that in the European times, whether it's going long, you saw that in the Europe, Europa League games last season, when we were getting pressed too much, he just actually says go long. We've got Yakamakis there in that now. I think you'll see game management. I think you'll maybe see... Certain things happen against better sides because against better sides we're going to be out of the ball. We're, we're not going to be with the ball as what, uh, as much as what we are in Scotland. So there will be a different game plan comes in then. But the same game plan will be get the ball, keep the ball, go forward, inverted fullbacks, see what we do with that. But I do think you'll maybe see if one fullback goes inverted, you only see the two of them overlapping. There'll maybe be one of them will get told you need to actually hang out there and give us a bit of a defensive option or what you might see is what he done in pre-season he played two sitters in pre-season he might he might sort of change his approach that way and play and play two sitters uh, but it won't it won't it won't be a change of approach it'll just be a slight tactical tweak it won't be like I would go all attacking at the weekend against Ross County and then we park the bus that's not yeah. what's going to happen. There is going to be tactical tweaks for every game, but what you see is what you get. We have Costa Coglu Celtic, and that's it. Yeah, you're talking about a sitter. We do have a sitter in the, the studio, so I've just moved the camera so you can't see what he's editing on the primal scheme frame on the wall there. Um, however, <laughs> I will tell you what he's editing, Kev. He is editing a session we did with Dermo out of Northside. Shall wow. we take a trip? Shall We're we back take in a trip? We're back in the 90s. Uh, we went down to the Manchester base that was recommended to us by Aziz Ibrahim, the Stone Roses. I'm going to get all the name drops out here. This is in homage to JP Mason, who's not on the show today. So let's get a wee bit of music chat whilst we can, Kev. Whilst they don't shut us down. Maybe that's why they were trying to shut us down earlier, whoever that was. Mm -hmm. uh, Denmo, Northside, big hit. Shall we take a trip? We went down. We um, recorded a session. I can't call it an unplugged session because we had live guitars, electric guitars. We had uh, backing track, all that stuff. It was tremendous. It was great for a music fan like me to experience it, but it will be out on the channel on Saturday. If you haven't done so already, get subscribing to A State of Mind uh, where Axom uh, is broadcast from on the YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. Hit like on this video. We've got loads to talk about. Um, but what I'm going to say right now is JP is always Miss Kevin, as much as I love you and the fact that you're back on, on the Axom today with myself. We obviously were on the very first broadcast five five plus years ago now and it's great to still be here with you but JP's always missed he's working at a festival that's what he does that's his big love as well as Celtic right so straight away what I'm going to say then is I gave you three different ways to look at the draw the first one I'm going to ask from pot one Kevin Graham I want you to pick a prestigious big team the one that you want to see under the light from pot one with that mindset pick a big team a team that you want to see for the prestige 
You've got to say Madrid, eh? Madrid right. seems to be the one because we played Man City 2017. Brendan Rodgers drew three each with them. Moussa Dembele introduced himself to the European, the watching European world at that point. Uh, we've played Bayern, PSG, I'm no interested in. They're just a plastic club. Man City are a fake club as well. When you look at it, Rangers are a fake club. Come to think about it, Porto. We've got a bit of we've got a bit of like history with Porto. You've you already know, spoken about some of the history we've got with uh, Porto. I uh, didn't want Ajax because their fans are just nasty. Uh, I Real Madrid has got to be because it's 1981 since the last time that we played them. 1980. 1980 was it? Yeah, yeah. We were looking at that team last two weeks ago actually. Um, because Tommy Sheridan and Frank McGarvey popped into the studio. I'm name dropping all the way through this. I'm sorry. I apologise in advance. They popped into the studio to record an episode of um, I'm Frank, He's Tommy. You know, their their podcast, the Celtic Minded Podcast, Kev. And, and Frank McGarvey was um, asking, he was actually posing the question to Tommy um, about the lineup. There might be a, there might be a, a surprise or two in the lineup um, against Real Madrid. Home and away, the same team started at Celtic Park. Uh, where we won 2 nothing, that started in the Bernabeu where we lost 3-0 mm-hmm. but um, when you look at the lineup, you might be surprised at the lineup. so just have a look at that particularly on the bench Vic Davidson was on the bench for Celtic in the Bernabeu Kev wow you'd never have guessed wow. that Bobby Lennox started both games in 1980 the man who won the European Cup in 67 Started both games against Real Madrid in 1980. So you're going to go for the prestige of Real Madrid. Let's have a look at Pot 2 then. And what I want you to do from Pot 2, Kev, is give me a team based on the destination for an away day. I'm going to say Liverpool for us. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be. It's got to be Liverpool. I love Liverpool. Um, I think that would be... It ticks all the boxes, a sort of wee fairy tale, the history of the two clubs coming together. Uh, I do love Liverpool. Uh, another trip back to Seville. Memory, the memories there. Um, I wouldn't mind going to Tottenham's new stadium as well. But that's playing any club for London brings its own dangers. Uh, just because of the p- political mindset of the Celtic support and how we're viewed south of the northwest of England. Um, I Liverpool would be the perfect one. That Liverpool would be the perfect one. This is this is quite a tough draw. So we've got Real Madrid from Port One, Liverpool from Port Two, and then from Port Three, I'm going to ask you a team like you were saying before that you think will actually take something from Kev. So who are you picking from Port Three? I've got this strange. My mind, my mind works in strange like ways, and I always think we've got a chance against honestly, the Portuguese. Honestly, honestly, does, does it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's nodding in agreement that it's watching acts from the day. <laughs> uh, my mind works in straight ways, strange ways. I always think that we've got a good chance against Portuguese teams. So, uh, uh, because I think we always beat Portuguese teams at home. So I'm going to say Sporting. I would take sporting at that. Were you because... at the last game? Were you at the game with, with Bobby Robson as the manager and Cadet scored yes, against us? Then that... we took them back to Celtic Park. That that was my first ever European away trip. Aye. Uh, yep. 1992. November 1992. Aye. We wore that great classic away strip that has been remade mm-hmm. for this season, if I remember correctly. Am I right? 
Yes. I think yes. we did. I think we did, yes. Yeah, the black and Aye, so uh, it would be sporting me. We've heard Benfica a couple of times. Obviously, there would be the whole jaw on narrative if we did get Benfica. It would be it would be his game. It would be his game. Uh, but I think sporting out of that. We had Leverkusen last season as well. But... No, Sporting. I'm going, to, I'm going to stick with Sporting. If you're looking for a, if I was looking for a team for Port One, there's two teams in Port One I would take that you could maybe say we might have a chance against them. Frankfurt are the weakest side in Port One, and Port One I think closely followed by Porto. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. We shall see. I mean, it's an interesting... Every draw is going to be interesting. We're not going to sit here and try and guess the draw, but there's a little angle, Kevin, for the prestigious taking Real Madrid, for the away days taking Liverpool, and for someone that he thinks we can take something from... You're opting for Sporting Lisbon. Now, before I forget, because you forgot yesterday, Kev, I'm just going to Aye. name and shame you. Um, shout out to Marky Boy. This is a Brendan Rogers moment almost. It's not in the Clyde Tunnel, but I was stuck in traffic yesterday, Kev, and Marky Boy was sitting next to me across the Tarnacadam, and we had a good chat about Celtic through the uh, roll-down windows. He caught me probably, I don't know, putting on something on my phone or... Um, <laughs> hands up, or uh, changing my CD because I still have a CD player in my motor bizarrely enough um, and we had a wee chat about Celtic and Axom and he listens every day, he was catching up on episodes uh, the episode from Monday yesterday, so a big shout out to, to Marky Boy, I was going to join you and James yesterday on the show actually but um, we've had a few gigs over the last month Kevin, um, I had to clean and return a barbecue, so there you go there's the glamour tie right there had to clean and return a barbecue from Thursday night um, where we hosted Glas Vegas who were superb, I've got Brilliant. to say. Also, uh, we retweeted an interview on SM Media. We retweeted that on uh, Axom Twitter page. They interview our pal Tony Haggerty. So if you've not heard that podcast, get on it. There's another big shout-out. Any shout-outs you want to do before we move on, Kev? No, I'm fine. You're the shout-out king. Okay. Okay, Doc. Right, listen. Uh, because I was cleaning and returning barbecues yesterday, Kev, I don't know, although I get an inkling that you might have moaned about ticket prices for Champions League packages. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the ticketing? Or, because you don't hold back, Kev, and I've read a lot of the YouTube comments this morning, and most people have been applauding your stance on this. So what, what are you saying to the ticket prices for the Champions League package? I, I mean, I, I says quite a bit yesterday, it's £102 per game for me and my daughter to go. If you have a look at the ticket travel and if, you, if we buy food when you're there, which you would do on a on a midweek night just because so it'll of the be, time. it'll be £120.39 then, or something bizarre like that, if you a, buy food a, at Celtic a, a, Park. £102.33 or something, something like that. Something like that. Uh, so, something like that, eh? 
and understand where people are coming from. If you go, I mean, I think the Coldplay gig, I think the Coldplay gig at Hamden, which is happening, I think it was about 60 odd quid for a ticket. My point is, I you would maybe pay that for a gig, but Celtic are asking you, it was asking me to pay £102 in the space of eight weeks, three mm. times. Mm. I know, and that is too much for me to actually justify. To actually, to actually spend, to actually spend, um, I don't think Celtic can justify that price, um, even though their costs have went up. And what really makes a mockery is the fact, because I know that if you, my daughter's season tickets one hundred and five pound, and they're asking me to pay ninety nine pound for three games of football, right? If I wanted, if you want to upgrade my daughter's ticket to an adult ticket, it's one hundred and eighty pounds. Like £60 a game. Now, this is going to sell out. This will sell out no problem. I could have sold my, my seat five, six, seven, eight, nine times within 30 seconds of me saying that I wasn't going. I understand that the supply is, uh, the demand is going to outstrip the supply, mm. but I just can't, I just can't justify spending £102 per game for three games of football over a seven or over an eight week period. It's, you know, it's not. I just can't do it. You, you know the thing, Kev. You, you started off uh, this section of the the show by talking about a gig, Coldplay, um, and you know what? That is what the powers that be want you to do. They want you to compare a football game to a concert. Aye. A football game and a concert are two completely different things. I went to see you two in nineteen ninety three. Banged on about this so many times at Celtic Park. And the ticket price to go and see you two back then was astronomical compared to the ticket price to go to Celtic Park to watch the football. You can't compare. It's like comparing cricket to cheese. They're two different things, right? But they want you to compare that, Kev, so that they can justify the price hike. And they want the, the football fan, because it's meant to be the working class sport, they want the football fan to be a completely different class. Who can afford that? Who can afford that? I mean, the people, the people that go home and away, right, um, and in Europe, Kev, when you when you look at the investment they're already uh, making, right, after a year, going into the thousands, sometimes even more than that, and you're just trying to squeeze them for even more. And it's uh, for me, I just think that they need a reality check because what you throw into the mix where we are globally in terms of the cost of living crisis, the fuel crisis. Um, you know, there are people uh, there are people striking due to the, the fact that we're, we're not being paid in line with inflation, never mind anything else, never mind the cost of living. Yet, football clubs have got that hold on you, Kev, because, you know, I'm no longer into you two, but if my favourite band were playing, it's more of a choice to go and see them playing. The emotional attachment's not the same as it is with a football team, I don't think, as much as I love music. So I think they've got you over a barrel. And there's many more fans like yourself who are being priced out, not completely out of the game, because you're a season ticket holder, of course, but they're being priced out of some of the biggest occasions that you enjoy as a Celtic fan throughout the season. I mean, I'm lucky enough. I feel privileged that I can afford a season ticket. I do feel privileged I can afford a season ticket and I live close enough to the stadium to get value out of that season ticket. But the, my season ticket, I think I added up, it was £687 for me and my daughter's season ticket to get together, right? And they want us to pay £228 for three games of football. That's 33% of the total that I've paid for my season ticket. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. That 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 is that that is a fair amount. And Gary Oliver, I'm going to bring this up because I can do Gary. It's absolute nonsense. I understand. If you think that's a fair price, that's fine. I, I'm, I've got no qualms with that whatsoever. I don't think it's a fair price, and I'm not going to pay it. <laughs> that's and that, that's my and that's my choice not to pay it. And Celtic will point to the fact that they'll have fifty eight thousand sold out, and go well. The pricing was fair. What I would maybe what I would maybe think though, see if we were a Champions League club, if we were a Champions League club and had been in the Champions League for the last three or four seasons, they would not get away with charging forty three quid a ticket. Right, that's a good point because obviously there's a different expectancy then, isn't there? It's not something right. like I mean it's always going to be prestigious. These fixtures always will be. Uh, however, I think that's a, a very good point. And thank you, Gary, for for coming in and making your point as well because it. it all, all comments are valid. I say all. Most comments are valid. Uh, some other people have to get blocked because they don't even support Celtic. Um, Donny Boy, welcome back. Afternoon, folks. Are we getting excited for 5pm? Um, I think so. And uh, we're also informed by Crymatic247, a.k.a. Alan Boyne. A little tongue twister there for your name. <laughs> Live coverage of the John BT Sports YouTube channel starts at 4.45. So I'm pretty sure a lot of us will be tuning into that. Big shout out to Paddy who joins us on a daily basis. Um, I hope you are well, Paddy Lavery. And I'm going to bring up another point before we move into the next section of the show. Daniel Hamilton would love AC Milan bring back memories of that McDonald goal in mm-hmm. injury time. Um, absolutely. And I think that the big thing for me is we are going to talk about the impact uh, of two Scottish teams being in the Champions League group stage, love it or love it, that is the scenario that we're in, Kev. Because I look at that, and it's no doom and gloom, I just look at the fact that we have two clubs who, you know, have got to the the um, the top table in, in European football this season. And what I hope as a football fan, and as a Celtic fan, is that Scottish football benefits from that, Kev. Uh, but I, th- I still think we'll stand still. I mean, it can't be any better than having two teams in the group stages of the Champions League. And you think to yourself, how will Scottish football benefit? So you think of the influx of interest, first and foremost, in the Scottish game, because obviously you're on the top kind of platform. You think of the financial element, because all the teams benefit, yeah, because obviously that gets filtered down into the Scottish game. But I just have the feeling, because of those at the top of the Scottish game being incompetent and not fit for purpose, that we we will continue to stand still. Scottish football, that is. What's your thoughts, Kev? Scottish football's horrendous. And I think we've actually seen that over the last... I think more of the last year, it's run by sausage finger gammon heads, man, who didn't who who didn't like make decisions for the best of the game. Sausage fingered gammon heads, right? So, so for our Costa Rican fans to tune in, <laughs> um, could you maybe explain what that is? Just sausage fingered folk who are who are very like flushing with very pink skin on this. So- so, so, <laughs> sausage finger. Does that mean that they're a bit Big fat fingers? They're a bit plump. Aye, they've maybe got gout in that because they order it's loving that they've got eh? right. all the red wine that they drink and because of self-made like scrap merchants or something like. That. I know and, what I know what and, you mean. I know and what you they mean. think they can win football. Uh, but when when you said that Scottish football is horrendous, you're not talking about the, the game of football. 
are you? You're not talking about the fact that we've got this rich tapestry within Scottish football. I really, you know, when I look back at some of the, the events of Scottish football, you, you can be proud of them. Fantastic. Um, teams, players, managers, not just in our own country, but they've gone further afield. European exploits. Celtic have been at the, the forefront of that. Obviously, we won uh, the, the cup the big cup with the big years in 67 but there's been loads of loads of achievements by Scottish football teams it's those running the clubs that we get frustrated with Kev and I miss this about being on Axholm with yourself um, because we, we do like a good moan and a good dig um, at the highest echelons of Scottish football because they do let the fan down don't they? They do let the fan down but then I don't think I think the chairman don't let the fans down uh, because you, you look at Robin I don't like the, the media and the chairman let the fans down because they talk up absolute dross mm. and, and we allow dross to actually go unchallenged in the game. Robbie Nielsen at the weekend, his, his view on that game should have been utterly challenged in the media. I mean, exactly. as, I said, as exactly. I said, I was listening to the game on, on Radio Scotland on the way back up for Liverpool, mentioned Liverpool again. And, uh, and I thought I was going to come and watch Hearts being... Pep Guardiola's Barcelona in 2009. Then when I actually watched the whole game back and went, Hearts were absolutely rank rotten. They were absolutely rubbish. They had a few corner kicks here and there, but they never put us under pressure any at all. And that was meant to be the third team in Scotland. Now yeah. tonight, they're playing FC Zurich, a team for Switzerland. Chances are they're going to get back pocketed and end up in the Europa Conference League. But Already you've got Robbie Nielsen. Already you had uh, Graham Alexander coming out and go, oh, it's very difficult for Scottish teams in Europe. There's already a defeatist attitude going in. And mm. it's the same way our commercial deals and, all, and anything like that. We go, I we're small, our game's rubbish. We'll go on with that attitude. Anyway, we'll be lucky what we get. So Hearts should be going the right going, no, we should be beating a team for Switzerland. Mm -hmm. we, we should be beating a team for Switzerland. And if you didn't beat them, you should be looking at that team going, well, what are they doing that we could be doing? Yeah. Yep. And the first thing is, you didn't appoint Robbie Nielsen or Derek McGuinness. Yep. Like, he didn't just keep on giving jobs to the same guys who failed time and time again. But the thing is, so Kev, that, that's a, that is a good point and one I, I do agree with. But as soon as Scottish clubs often in the past, as soon as they have made an appointment which is maybe a wee bit off the beaten track, it, it very quickly is not accepted. Now... I'm not holding it up as a great coach and all the rest of it, but remember when Hearts appointed Ian Cathro or when Rangers appointed Paul Le Guin or Celtic appointed Ronnie Dyla and they came in with different methods and different views on, on the game, but they weren't largely accepted, were they? No, they weren't, they, because, because they're scared. They're, they're scared. These dinosaurs are absolutely scared of them getting shown up. And, and it's something at the, the top level of our clubs as well. Now, we, I says last week I wanted a fairer distribution of the TV deal because what Celtic and Rangers both get from the TV deal is chippy money for them. It doesn't really make a difference. So spread that out over all the teams in the Scottish Premier League. So say St. Johnson, for example, I'm going to pick on St. Johnson again. St. Johnson, for example, getting £2 million for the telly deal, right? That makes a big difference to them. Doesn't really, what we lost doesn't really make a difference to us because we'll always be the biggest club because we've got mere season ticket holders. Mm -hmm. But what the guys at the top of our club are worried about is somebody with a bit of sense coming in, getting that money, using it well and overtaking them. 
like we've seen with your Copenhagen's, like you've seen with your Ferrets, Varos. Clubs have got a smaller budget. Use it smarter and all of a sudden overtake you. They're better than you over mm. a two-legged tie. There's a fear factor in Scottish football right to the very top. And it's a power. It's a, I mean, it's an egotistical, narcissistic power drive for some of them. And that's and you'll see it in the next couple of weeks as well. You'll see it in the next week. Rangers qualifying last night will appeal to them. We are the people's sense of superiority and you will see a flow-like transfer fee they will pay to prove that they are the top dogs in Scotland. I look forward to that. Uh, so they are. mismanagement. We've seen that before. Uh, we, Jimmy, yeah, we will be talking about Haksabanovich. Yeah, Haksabanovic. That was after actually uh, trying to practice that. And speaking to West Ham fans about him as well, um, in preparation for us signing him, and we'll have a wee chat about that as well, Andrew Galea in Australia, working class kids can't afford to play the game. That's a big concern as well, and I think that's crept in um, across Scottish football as well, Kev, because it shouldn't be um, you know, how deep your pockets are, it should be how uh, much of an appetite you've got to play the game or how much ability you've got to play the game. It shouldn't. You should never be priced out of playing sport, Kev, if you've got a natural ability. So that's something that needs to be dealt with um, at local and uh, government level actually to ensure that all kids have access to free sport and if you want to play football you can play it it doesn't cost you the earth you know you look at a lot of the Scottish talents that have come through Kevin they've come from underprivileged backgrounds a lot of the time from estates or schemes that you know there wasn't a lot of money or finance in there they weren't getting dropped off at training in a big I don't know what kind of car you'd use in an analogy a Saab <laughs> or something like that um, you know what I mean so they're no, they don't have the finances but they should always be able to to play the game. Um, we've spoken a wee bit about Ange in Europe. There is a pragmatism. Um, I think it's a bit of a cliche to say that Ange doesn't completely change his... He doesn't maybe change his style, but there is always a pragmatism in there as well. Talking about Haksabanovic, 23 years of age, seemed to be a bit of a prodigy when he came in, Kevin. He made his debut as a 15-year-old in senior football. Now, that doesn't always work out. You know, that doesn't always no. work out. But this is a guy who got a big uh, money move to West Ham United, which didn't seem to work out as well. He's currently with Ruben Kazan, and he can play left wing, right wing, attacking mid. So maybe that number 10 role as well. So if we bring him in, he's going to solve a few issues for Celtic, isn't he? And do you think he also uh, puts a wee bit of pressure on the likes of Matt O'Reilly for the number 10 jersey as well? I watched a YouTube video, Paul. And I didn't usually watch YouTube videos. I watch YouTube. I watch YouTube videos every time I need to do DIY. uh, Of they're good, eh? It's only it's only way I I get anything done. It's the only way I get anything done, Kev. Um, And some of the stuff that I've had to watch a YouTube video for would curl your toes because I should know how to do it. However, yeah. So you watched the YouTube video, and it was the skills out of. Haskabanovic. I'm going to need to actually learn how to say that. Anyway, and he looks comfortable on both wings. Mm. He looks comfortable in the middle of the park as well. He likes a shot, but then that's a YouTube reel. They're actually going to like show you his shots and that. Again, I, I did actually listen to part of um, an interview that Hail Hail 67 done with a Swedish journalist, I think it was. And he actually says that the player's been badly advised for the moves that he's actually that, that he's actually made. Right. And I quite like that, the fact that he's maybe coming to Celtic to put his career back on track. We, we like that. We like to redeem guys who have maybe went, 
like we like to actually redeem guys and give them the platform to take their career on. That's what we look. That's what that's what we look for. Eh? That's what that's what we actually look. Players that are somewhat damaged goods or Although, not. Otherwise, I think you have a look at Jota as well. Great at youth level, absolutely fantastic at youth level. Couple of poor moves. The next thing you know is we odds. Great move to us, and he seemed to have went up another level this season. Uh, and we could be looking the same for uh, Big Seed as well. That well, he solves a number of problems. He actually gives us more depth all along the front line. Well, the wings of the front line, and also, as you say, he could sit in that number ten role. I actually do see him actually sitting. Uh, Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. An option for both wings. I actually do see them as an option for both wings. Yeah. Um, and that's a great option to have. An absolutely fantastic option to have. I did call for an extra forward to get brung in in the wide areas. The guy for Bodo Glint was the, the guy that I really wanted. But obviously the club watched him last year as well. Um, so he's been... An, he's pro- obviously a player that Ange Postacoglu is highly aware of and eventually brought him in. And I'm looking forward to actually seeing him. The guys in the comments are telling us it's a five-year deal. Mm. So, so there you go. Eh? It's long-term thinking again. Long-term thinking, Kev. Um, I, I love when a player comes in really, really early to senior football. I think Chris Iyer was the same. Uh, but it's in their twenty-three. You know, he's got eight years of senior football under his belt, which is massive in terms of the experience. And I, I also think, well, if you look at the left and the right-hand side, we've got James Forrest, Abada. Um, obviously, when this deal's done, we'll have uh, Haxa as well. But you've also got Jota who can play on the right. Maeda can play on the right. You then look on the left-hand side of Jota, Maeda and Haksabanovic. And you've got that depth that, you know, when you look at the the, the the season now compared to this time last year, the depth just wasn't there. And then I think the number 10 um, jersey, I think you do need to have a player that's going to keep the pressure on Matt O'Reilly because um, throughout a season there will be occasions where he needs a rest or he might not be fit. So I, I, I do hope that that is tied up, as you say, five-year deal. What else do we need in? I've heard a lot of chat, Kev, talking about defensive midfielders. Do we also need another striker with a view to um, offloading Albion a Yeti? I don't think we need another striker, no. I think... Again, I've been harking on and I can't change this now. I still think we need a big athletic defensive midfielder. Um, I don't think... I mean, I did say yesterday that Aaron Moyes impressed me with his game management domestically mm. as he's came in. But I'm still... that The question hasn't been answered about him on a European stage yet. Eh? I still think we need somebody in that middle of the park 
who's athletic, can get about and can maybe plug some of the holes that we'll get with the way Ange Postacoglu likes to play football against better sides. I still think we maybe need that. And I hope that we're maybe actually looking at that. And what might, I mean, hopefully we're not looking in the charity shops for that now. Hopefully we're maybe having a look at like the Haskabanovich deal. It's going to be somebody, it's a long-term plan to come in there. I, I don't, I don't... I can't really. I'm not really feeling bringing somebody in on loan, just for just to make up the squad numbers. I want somebody to come in and can contribute at that in that position. We have Strachan's laptop reminding us it's a commercial business. Absolutely is. Huh? I just think that there are occasions where your your long term view of looking after the fan base that, for example, paid for season tickets that weren't used for an entire campaign. I, I do I do feel that you can get something back from your club from time to time. And when you look at the amount of prize money on on offer and the fact that uh, you know that big bounty of the Champions League is um, guaranteed then sometimes you can look at uh, the way that the fans are treated financially, and in particular under the current climate, um, economic climate as well. So I think that, yeah, it is something that we do take into account, the fact that Celtic need to make money, but they do make a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. often it feels as though the fans um, are rinsed time and time again. I mean, we had a conversation a few weeks back about the three jerseys every single season now. It just very slowly and surely becomes the norm. Uh, they normalise that kind of thing, Kev. You know, the three brand new strips every single season and someone comes and says, well, you know, it's not the club's fault you have kids. Uh, come on, man. I mean, if you've got kids and you want them to, to be the next generation of Celtic supporters, you take them to games, you buy them the jerseys and that's part of supporting the football club. But it's, it I does mean, become a bit much when you're getting rinsed for three jerseys every season and the Champions League prices are so expensive on top of your season tickets. It's, it's new part of my match day, the daddy and daughter routine. Mm-hmm. So why would I not want that in the Champions League? I I could have went myself, but I didn't see the point of that. I'm no, I'm I'm not I'm not actually going to do that. Eh? What talk about, did... talk about sausages? You've already done about it. Saus- I've already talked about sausages. Uh, let's have the last mention of food. I'm going to bring this up. Juicy bear, go and stop eating cheese before bedtime, mate. It's making your mind melt, man. Didn't do that. And and rooster. I don't know what cinema you go to for 15 quid, pal, but it's £5 in the view in Stirling to get into the cinema. I just, uh, he brought that, Rooster brought that up yesterday and I missed it. And so I just thought, uh, I just thought, but again, I think that's like comparing apple and oranges, man. Yeah, I I, I do. I do. We've got to look at football. Um, I mean, where are we with it? Has it become something that you put on the same level as going to the pictures or going to a concert? I don't think it's the same thing. It's it's not a form of entertainment that you can take or leave on your day off. It's completely different. They know they've got a hold on you because you have that passion for the football club. The Champions League is trying to sell. Look at the Champions League final. It sells itself like the Super Bowl. Cheapest ticket, 150 quid. You're going to get half-time entertainment. You're going to get... And that's what the Champions... They see it as an event. They actually try to dress it up as an event. Coldplay at Hamden's an event, but you wouldn't go and see Coldplay three times in eight weeks, pay, paying a hundred pound a time. That's no, not going to happen. That, that's not going exactly, to happen. That, exactly. Yeah, and you you can't scream that you want Chris Martin replaced with another singer or any of that. It's a completely different ball game. And when when you're looking at the the fact that we're now talking about that, as I say. When that argument becomes normalised, Kev, other people buy into it and start using it as an example to say that it's okay to charge these prices. It's not. Anyway, 
We will move on from that before anybody else starts kicking off in the comments, Kevin Graham. <laughs> you've got everybody wound up. Celtic Park have been rated number one in our poll of international fans who visited the UK uh, to watch football games. My question for you, Kevin Graham, is how do we improve it? How do we improve Celtic Park? I didn't really give a flying monkeys about these surveys, man. It's, it, can all, it can all be manipulated. How can we improve it? Uh, we can put the standing section right along the bottom tier and only charge 20 quid to get in. There you go. Now there's, there, there's, there's, my, there's my Hangley. There's your Make suggestion. The, there's my suggestion. Put two standing sections behind two goals like the big, the wall in Dortmund. Then you'll improve it. The place will be an absolute, it'll be absolute chaotic brilliance. What I think we need to do, right, is um, slightly different, but fair play. I think we need to look at the main stand. Uh, we need to really bring that right up to scratch because it's it's uh, it's out of touch with the rest of the stadium, not just the level of it, but just the facilities of it. Um, I think it's uh, you know it's it's an old part of the stadium that's been there since the early seventies, and we need to bring it right up to scratch. Uh, I quite like the, the the entrance and the facade that went up in the centenary season, but you can build around that kind of thing. I, I mean, I, I don't They're know the situation. The old bit's still there. Yeah. Uh, because it's a listed building, eh? So the only, that facade is just sort of bol- bolted on the front of it. Bolted on the front. And, of course, the um, the Celtic entrance, you know, the, the stained glass, which is now within the stadium, was found behind a wall by somebody. Um, mm-hmm. We interviewed them about five years ago. It was found behind a wall, and thankfully it's back in there at the Celtic Park. Other things I'd like to see, I know it has become something of a... Um, a regret for a lot of fans but I love the idea of having a Celtic museum I just think that there's so much incredible history attached to this club uh, from medals to jerseys to, to footage and you know I think having a museum at a club like Celtic is a must but also something really easy that they could do right now is they change the four leaf clover into a bandstand on match day and you get live music every single match day Kev that's something they've got to do if you ask me a poetry reading stand. A poetry reading, reading stand. Well, you stand could just as well, eh? I'll just, just bring I'll, your I'll just jump up and just bring your soapbox, man. Bring your soapbox. I remember back in the day, uh, there was a front cover of the superb Celtic fanzine, Not The View. And there was a wee guy, and I don't know because I'm not from Glasgow, but he was quite well known. He used to walk about with a sandwich board on. And it was The End Is Nigh. And they changed <laughs> it to Sack The Board or something like that. Uh, just do one of them, Kevin. Just hark. We're holding, holding a book. You know, and just uh, give us a wee bit of the old spoken word. Since we last spoke, Chris Julian has left the club. Kevin, he's away in Montpellier. He obviously wasn't fancied by Ange and didn't fancy Ange himself by the looks of his social media output. Can we read much into that, do you think? It's almost like dumping your girlfriend by text, eh? Uh, it's no you, it's me, I'm away. Um, I, can't, I didn't really read, I, I, I didn't like really read much into it. He thanked who he wanted to thank. It's been quite clear that Ange Postacoglu didn't fancy him. Had they fancied him for a wee while. He never really kicked a serious ball for Celtic since his injury. They are, I'm sure I'm sure Ange Postacoglu is not absolutely bothered that Christopher Julian never mentioned him in an Instagram post. No. As Ange, as Ange says he's not there to make people and he's not there to make people happy. I like no, that. I like that about Ange Postecoglou, Kev. Um, obviously, like a lot of Celtic fans who love the history, I've read all the books, watched all the films, etc. And you try and get a sense of the type of manager or man-manager that Jock Steen was. And one thing that comes 
completely loud and clear through uh, all of that research is that he was hard and he was ruthless, right? So, yeah, he made this phenomenal football team play very attractive football, but in the background, he was ruthless. So there was players that would be cast aside without a second glance, Kev. Players who had been at the Something, club. Sometimes wrongly. Sometimes wrongly. But yes. Players who had been at the club for a long, long time. I mean, sometimes wrongly, I'll give you one player, Bobby Murdoch. I mean, he still had years in his legs and, and he was given a free transfer. He went away to Middlesbrough and became a legend. So another le- a legend elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Probably. But he was ruthless. There was a ruthlessness. And... I'm not saying you need to have that, but it's certainly a style of management that I think um, you can see has been evident in guys like uh, Alex Ferguson through the years as well. Um, Jock, Jock Steen, of course, who I've already mentioned. And I think you can see it in Ange. I really do. And the other thing I was going to say is that there's this uh, kind of school of thought that there was a group of players uh, within Celtic who were something of a clique. Um, Eduard, Frimpong, Julien and Cham. Now they're away. All all four of them, they're all gone. Aye, I mean, that, that was, we were we were sort of told that as well, eh? There was, after we'd done the nine, there was four or five players all angling to actually leave that, that summer. But obviously COVID hit, the moves didn't happen. It seemed like Christopher Iyer was one of them as well. But I think Christopher Iyer can actually hold his head up high in the non-ten in a row season. I think he actually did, did actually... Turn up for games where the others just sort of down tools. Um, aye, but there seems to be that clique seems to have disappeared. Here's Cham now, eh? One of the most talented players I've ever seen. Where is he? Is he still with Swansea? Yes. Is, is he still with Swansea? He's um, still there. He's still there. Christopher Julian came to Celtic expecting to get a move to the English Premier League, and that's not happened. For one <laughs> reason or another, it hasn't happened. But as I said yesterday, Paul, some of the takes on, a, on his ability have been absolutely wild. He was a competent enough centre-half and a good centre-half on his day. He's not the worst centre-half I've ever seen in a Celtic jersey. He's not the best centre-half I've ever seen in a Celtic jersey. But for 18 months, he was absolutely fine until his injury. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's I, it. it does tend to happen. I remember when... Uh, you know, a player even like Bobo Baldi, who uh, I regarded as a as a fine centre half for Celtic, but the longer he was out the side under Gordon Strachan, the better he became. Kevin, the same kind of thing happened with Massimo Donati, uh, Derek Rard, and these players. You know that there, there is a, a train of thought that they're better than they actually are. Chris Julian done well for Celtic. There's some big big moments. I don't have to mention them. Everybody knows what the moments were. I was never keen on his celebration when he scored goals, um, and it looks as though he's going to keep that one up. But I do think it was time to go, Kev. Oh, it's very obvious that it was time to go for him as a 29-year-old professional footballer who is behind Maurice Jens, Stephen Welsh, Cal Starfell and Cameron Carter-Vickers for a starting role in a Celtic team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a move that suits all parties. You know, I've mentioned as well um, a couple of times that I feel that the, the transfer window last year was affected by the situation with Julien. And we brought in Carter Vickers on loan in the last day of the transfer window, Kev, as um, a result of the fact that we didn't really know um, when he was going to be back, when Julian was going to be back. And then this time round, the proposed deal for him to go to Schalke was, that's obviously broken down. That has then put us in a position where we knew we needed another centre-half. We couldn't commit to a permanent one because we still had this guy on big wages and we've gone and got Jens um, on mm-hmm. loan again. So I think it's affected at least two transfer windows, maybe three, uh, whereby Julian could have gone 
and he didn't go. And and now I think that Jens, from what I've seen, would, I hope, go the same way as Carter Vickers in that we can change it to a permanent deal at the end of the season. I'd love to see that. From what I've seen so far, I've been really impressed. And the question for me to you now, Kevin Graham, is who else needs to, to leave? And before I ask you that question, I've been really impressed with the departures. I know that sounds a bit bizarre, but we talk about recruitment. A massive part of the success this time round, I think, is the amount of bodies we've managed to, to get out the door, permanent and loan. Who else follows them, do you think? I hate he's got to go. Uh, he's a big, massive wage. We've got to get him off, off the wage bill. Um, I think James McCarthy will probably leave as well if we bring in another midfielder. The reason being, I reckon James McCarthy still feels that he can actually do a job for possibly an English Championship team or something like that. And I'm sure there will be offers for James McCarthy over the next seven days or however long the, the transfer windows open. Mikey Johnson's got to go for the sake of his career yeah. uh, on loan somewhere. And I want to see him have like a have a juicy loan deal. Not in Scotland, I want to see a, him a go juicy. somewhere. A juicy, a juicy one, one. no, a boring one, not a Hibs or Aberdeen or something like that. I want to see him have a well. What, give me an example of a juicy one. The link with Bodo Glint. That's that's juicy, man. That's 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 that's. Bodo Glint, go to Belgium, go to Belgium, go to Germany, go to Spain, go somewhere like that. Cyprus, Cyprus, aye. No chance. No one <laughs> <No learning. laughs> can give him a boost for the, for the dugout in Cyprus. Uh, but that's that, that's what, what I want. Hey, I want him. I think he actually needs that. I think he needs to go somewhere technical to develop that final ball. I don't think Celtic are ready to gear up on him yet. Do you? Th- well, he's still got he's still got a, Aye, fair, a fair length on his contract. I, I've said before that the Lewis Morgan, um, you know. You know, train if you think, or the journey that he's had on his career, and he, he's found his his level, he's found his place. Kev, he's mm-hmm. starts, he's got a big transfer, um, and I, I do think that in terms of the stature, physically, he does remind me a wee bit of, of Mikey Johnson. And ah. you know, at this stage of their career or his career back then, when he when he moved to the states, um, I just didn't feel that he was going to have that Christie-like transformation physically, and I don't think Johnson is either. So he needs to find a game that suits him better. He does, and that's why I reckon a move to Europe's perfect for him. And there's a lot of Scotland guys, a lot of Scottish guys round about his age who would have played it with various Scottish international age groups have moved to Europe. So it's not as unusual now for some players to go, well, I'll go to Italy, I'll go to Germany, I'll go somewhere. The Scot- the Scot- there is Scottish talent there, there is Scottish talent there, and there's other clubs looking at the Scottish market that never maybe looked before. I mean, everybody would say, oh, I'd probably end up at Fleetwood or somewhere like that, somewhere lazy, somewhere no juicy. But I think I think, I think he'll end up in Europe. I do think he'll end up in Europe. If he ends up somewhere like Hibs or that, it's just a waste. I want him to go to the MLS, so let's have a look. Uh, Stephen Pearson uh, confirms that uh, Hak Zabanovic has signed five-year deal just announced by the club. It's- it's funny that you mentioned Jens as well. Haskavanovic and Jens were both mentioned last year. Both have had moves that haven't worked out and now have both ended up at the club. Yeah. So that's a... But I get what you say. There's a certain kind of sweet point uh, whereby if a player isn't doing as well as maybe had he or others had envisaged, 
Celtic are in a good position to bring them on and I think mm-hmm. Postacoglu is the right man to try and get the best out of them and uh, Robert Highland, where is JP? Yeah, the bowl JP normally in here on a Thursday we talk about football music and football jerseys fashion, culture and all that kind of stuff but he is busy today because he's a busy man and he's uh, working on his music career today that's all I'm going to say. I don't think he's in a recording studio, but he's working on his musical side of his life. And so he has taken a wee back seat for our very own Kevin Graham. But it's been too long since Kevin and I shared the stage, if you can call it that, on A Celtic State of Mind. Anyway, I'm going to rewind to 2017, Kev, because you mentioned 2017 earlier. What were you talking about? Man City. Man right. City. So this is our invincible treble winning side um, who defeated Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup final in 2017 and the reason I'm reading it out is because it brought to mind earlier on this week when uh, Boyata uh, got a move to Bruges to team up with or replace Jack Hendry, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work out, so I thought to myself wow he was one of the invincibles that day and I look back on the team because yeah, it's been five years, Kev, but that was a year that a Celtic State of Mind started as well, because we're just a bunch of glory hunters, obviously. Definitely. <laughs> the, the team that Definitely. lined up <laughs> that day, the team that lined up that day, Craig Gordon, Mika Lustig, Jozo Simunovic, you were glad when he left, uh, because you couldn't pronounce his name, Dedrick Boyata, Kieran Tierney, Callum McGregor, Scott Brown, Stuart Armstrong, Paddy Roberts, Lee Griffiths, Scott Sinclair. On the bench, De Vries, Beaton, Dembele, Gamboa, Rogic who came on, Sviachenko who came on, and Jamesy Forrest. Only two remain from that invincible side five years ago, Kev. And I think that illustrates just how changeable the faces are at Celtic, the personnel are or is at Celtic Park. I've been banging on about Ange Postacoglu keeping the core of a side together for three or four years. I've not had the chance to ask you, am I being unrealistic? When you look at the, the change in that team in five years... You know, we've never been able to keep a core of a team together for that kind of lengthy time. Is Ange the man to do it? Do you think he can do it? I think economics sometimes get in the way in the players' ambitions. If you look at the players there, Craig Gordon's ended up back at Hearts because we couldn't, we couldn't like offer him a first team, first team jersey. Lustig retired. Boyata's just moved to Germany. Just moved to Belgium. So he's going to play in the Champions League. Lustig, Lustig left. He didn't retire. He left. He went to Genk. Remember? Uh, he, he always retire when they leave Celtic Park. They always retire. Uh, now, that midfield, Scott Brown's obviously a manager now. Callum McGregor's still there. Paddy Roberts, Sunderland now. There's no money that team have went on to bigger and better things. Well, Simunovic um, is still basically... probably the club. No, he did go back and find a club in Croatia, Kev, but he was out of the game for 18 months and he's only he's only played a handful of games since he signed mm-hmm. for the for his hometown club. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Kieran Tierney, of course, went on uh, to a big money move and probably will get another one. And uh, Tierney and Dembele are probably the only two. Stuart Armstrong's done OK down in England. Tom Rogic, obviously he's still without a club at this precise moment in time, but had his best season for us last season as well. Mm-hmm. Musa Dembele was on the bench that day because he was just recovering from injury. Yeah. And I don't think he was fit. I think he was only going to come on if he was really needed that day. No, I, I, I don't think... I think you're looking at two years at the most. And you were saying this season that you don't think this will be the... the 
you don't think we'll see the real progress this season in Europe under Poster Coglu, it'll be the next season. And mm. I think that as well. But I says to I says to the window cleaner yesterday when when he came round to get paid, <laughs> and and he says, "Oh, what about this Haskabanovic?" I say, "It'll be good to have in the door if we're only going to get Jota kept for a year." I mean, because Jota could have a phenomenal six games in the Champions League and could be off. Kev, I was going to bring something up here, right? Um, and the reason I was going to bring it up, it says Kev is bang on. I say, and I was going to bring it up because I said that's only going to last so long, Paul McQuaid. And you've just you've just shattered all illusions by saying oh. that Jot is going to be away in a year. Um, no, I didn't say that. I went, it could be away in a year. Could be away in the year. Potentially, potentially. potentially. I, I think you've got a two-year window. Right, I was uh, going to uh, ask the, you. The, the, the way our business model works. I think right. you've got a two-year window. Right, okay. And do you think after that you then get into a scenario where you've got people like Eduard who want away and, and they're maybe I, not hitting it on full, um, you know, firing on full cylinders, etc., because of the fact that their head's kind of been turned? Um, and you want a player to be dedicated 100% until the time's right for them to move on. I mean, even Dembele got to that point to a degree, didn't he? I, I mean, Boyata started refusing to play against the AK Athens, to use Boyata as an example. So I, I totally agree with that. Look, look at it, Paul. You, you, meant, you mentioned five players there, eh? Who were going for ten in a row, which would have been history-making, and mm. all five of them weren't interested. They had won everything they could win in Scotland and went, right, it's time to move on and go to a better league. And that that, that is where we are. And I didn't like mentioning that mob across, across the river, tells eh? But... It always puzzles me why nobody's ever came in for any of their players, especially on their European performances. Well, that, that, you know, when we're talking about European performances and that being a platform... I always find it a bit weird. Well, the thing is, what annoyed me was when um, Jeremy Frimpong left. And remember, he gave that interview where he was basically like, well, you can't win the league every season. You know, that's just unrealistic. And I thought to myself, well... You're, you were at the wrong club then, if that's your attitude, Aye. because you've got to have a winning mentality for every single game. I mean, you know, Celtic never used to play friendlies, um, as Jockstein once famously said, against Liverpool. Um, how long can we stick together? Kevin reckons two years. It would be nice to see it for three or four. Uh, now, I want to mention a couple of things. First of all, uh, you may have seen the banners at uh, the Green Brigade unfurled in relation to the case of Noah Donahoe. Uh, for anyone who hasn't, uh, been following the story. It's something that piqued my interest, probably on social media, Kev. That was probably the first place where I saw this. I then watched a video uh, on the James English YouTube channel with Noah's mother. Um, go and watch that. Whether or not you, you normally watch James, go and watch that interview because what you need to do is realise the, the level um, of cover-up that is currently ongoing, so much so that uh, John Funikin, uh, MP, branded the PSNI and British Government's Youth of a Public Interest Immunity Certificate to conceal information on the death of Noah, shameful, and said his family deserved truth and transparency. And I just think that um, often, you know, people are quick Kev to jump on the Green Brigade and criticise the Green Brigade but when they do something like this I think you've just got to stand up and applaud them uh, for bringing it to a wider audience Definitely I mean there's not everybody's on Twitter not, not everybody actually like watches the YouTube videos or any of that so if it's spiked interest to a wider audience why, they want, why we all want justice for Noah then it's a good thing if it brings it to the mainstream media's attention, 
out with Northern Ireland, then it's a, it's a fantastic thing. And again, it just shows you the social conscience to the Celtic support, which mm-hmm. is which has been there from the formation of the club. Yeah, it has. And I, I, again, I think people are very quick to criticise uh, the Green Brigade and other fan groups and ultra fan groups. Um, but you can point to numerous occasions, Kev, where the Green Brigade got it absolutely right and they certainly did uh, with those banners. Let's keep talking about Noah and uh, hopefully someday his family and the boy himself will find justice, Kevin Graham. And uh, anybody out there... Yeah, peace. And everybody out there, they'll never get justice. Yeah, you're right. Get some peace of mind. Anyone out here who has has not been, uh, you know, reading into or watching anything in relation to the case, as I say, just go on to YouTube and watch the interview with his mum uh, who spoke to James English a um, few months back. It's very, it's a difficult watch, but it's worth watching. Um, also, Axom, over the years, it annoys a lot of people when I mention that we've won a few awards, Kev. I, that, I don't know why that annoys folk, Kev, certain people. But we won a few awards over the years and um, we are going for the best in video this time, Kev. And what I mean by video, obviously, this is a live stream. It's not this particular uh, video that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ones where we go out there and interview people, do little pieces on uh, St Mary's, for example, um, or the Tommy Burns play, or we go mm-hmm. and interview Des McLean about playing Bertie Old, or we interview ex-players like Mikey Galloway and Alan Thompson. And uh, we've got a wee team that works on that. There's a team of three that works on the video. So we're going for best in video. If you fancy voting for us, click the link underneath. And um, we're, it'll be Manchester. That's where the event is, Manchester. Um, so we've been to a few of these events and we would love to go back and uh, we would love to win an award. So if you want to vote for us, if you fancy it, click the link underneath and vote for a Celtic State of Mind for Best in Video Creators. Kev, anything else you'd like to add to that before we wind it up for today? No, no. I, 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 it's funny that you say that folk don't like us winning awards and that and mentioning that, eh? but... Eh, it's a team game, eh? It's a, it's team, a game, team game, Kev. It's a team game. And the reason I mention it is because the people that watched the show voted for us. They got yes. us into the final. And uh, obviously, the the big one... The cult. The cult, the Axon cult. cult uh, the big one I was most proud of, I've got to say, was uh, the charitable uh, weekend. We got the award for last year as well. So, really tough with that. And by the way, you're in for a treat for this year's charity, Kev. I think you know a wee <laughs> bit about it. You yeah, are in for a treat. Wow. Uh, haven't got a clue what I'm doing, but... You know, we'll get there in the end. <laughs> we'll get there in the end, Kev. All will become clear. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And, yeah, let's keep talking about Noah and um, the cover-up that has uh, undoubtedly happened over in Ireland as well. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. It's always an absolute pleasure. Agree, disagree, get involved in any case. Click like underneath the video because Kev and Laura have got a wee competition to see who can get the most likes. <laughs> Subscribe to the channel. And thank you once again, Kevin Graham, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Cheers, everybody. Phone companies say they offer home internet. 
But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.